Hi there, and welcome back to the Energy Sector Heroes podcast. My name is Michelle Fraser, and every week I will speak with incredible people who share their lessons, experiences, and stories from their time spent in the energy sector. Hi there, and welcome back again to this week's episode. If you're new to the show, then please take a second to subscribe and even consider sharing this show with just one other person. This week, I am joined by David McCall. David is an incredible senior consultant and co-founder at MXRB. David, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yes. Uh, hi. Good uh, Good day to you all. Obviously, morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. Um I've been involved in business consulting now for the best part of, well, it must be coming up for 40 years. I've got some energy background, but I predominantly deal with things that probably aren't necessarily viewed directly as energy, like the cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology and all that sort of thing. So my main bag at the moment and for the past 10 to 15 years is really around emerging technology, which I think will be fundamental with how it's going to pan out in all industries and certainly within the um, the energy sector. We're hearing a lot about artificial intelligence and how that's sort of um, going, to, going to play its part. And blockchain, I think, as well. I think with the two of them working together, that's where I see the future of how we're going to be doing things and working and so on. So I basically help people understand the how, the why, the use cases, the what's in it for them, and all that sort of thing. I'm not an engineer. I'm not even a techie. I just get use cases and can explain complex stuff down into layman's terms. So that's uh, that's what I'm about. Okay. So what is the the most complex question that you've been asked then when you're trying to, when a, a client comes to you and asks, what's in it for them? Well, it's it's... Probably around the blockchain side of things in terms of, look, we have a database and we use cloud systems and things like that. Well, the problem with having a centralized system is someone can turn it off. Someone can stop it. So whether that's AWS or something more more local and regionalized, they've still got that control. But when you've got blockchain technology, it's decentralized. So the the crowd, for want of a better word, the group, they're, they're, they're in, in, in control of it. So not one or two people can sort of go, we've had enough today and we can turn it off. But over and above that, the, the thing they don't really understand first off, and after a few visits with me and discussions is, look, what are the main features? Well, there are two. It's extremely secure and it's, it's extremely trans- transparent. And I don't know a single business on the planet that doesn't want that. So that's what that's what blockchain technology does offer. Now, going off on a little bit of a tangent, there are different types of blockchain, some that are centralized, and that will work in certain scenarios. So it's kind of flexible as well. And people trying to sort of work out, well, all my data was on um, Excel spreadsheets or whatever it is. We all hear about various people that are traveling from one place to another that drop their dongle on the train. And there's millions and millions of data sets on there that's just isn't, uh, you know, secure. But with blockchain, it is, and it's permanent, so it can't get changed either. So that's uh, that's what um, is probably the biggest challenge for people to understand. Okay, so how do you make, try and make them understand? Do you give presentations or do you have brochures or something that you give them? Yes, we've got on, on our website, we do webinars, we do training courses, we've got downloadable books that they can read. 
because obviously you've got people have got different ways of understanding things. Got a YouTube channel that we just opened up. We're a very new business, so what, what I'm talking about are things that we've either done in the past with something similar, and we're about to implement, of course. But that's how we've managed to get that message across. So when I, when I was working in the NFT Web three sector, sort of thing, a lot of people would really couldn't understand. Look, I can just download a PDF. What they don't get is you don't actually own the PDF. This is all about ownership, security, being transparent, how it can evolve into other use cases. Because basically, years ago, blockchain was about Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer system. And the energy energy sector now are getting into that. They're getting more and more involved, and they're getting to understand, actually, we see the features and the benefits and further use cases because they seem to be evolving by the day. As I say something, it kind of goes out of date and new stuff comes in. And this is all about innovation and helping people. So one of the ways that we do this and how, how it's worked with us is we've actually tried it ourselves. So I've, I've bought and owned energy through crypto. I've got assets like gold and silver and things like that. And I've shown people how to do it. And it wouldn't take long to do the same in, in the sector that you're, you're involved in, in the energy sector. Okay. So that could be done webinar, video, sitting down one-to-one, you know, all all the tools that uh, we've got access to, we can implement. Okay. So how did you get started in that industry then? Uh, By accident. I was was an insurance broker and COVID came along. I was always interested in, in finance and money and how things move. And over and above that, I've got a background in plant, you know, with, with, with working with, um, um, oil fields and places like that and refineries and so forth. So I used to, used to work a lot in Shell, SO, uh, there's a couple of nuclear plants at like Sellafield, I've done Dungeness, Tilbury Power Station near me. I went from there into insurance, rolling things forward into COVID, and I was sitting on my hands and knees thinking, I need to do something whilst I'm locked down. What can I get involved in? And a friend of mine literally picked the phone up just out of the blue, said, look, I've started this new job. It's about investing into um, crypto. And I went, no, nah, not really interested. Looked at that years ago. wasn't really for me. But it got me curious. And as we got talking more and more about, it wasn't about crypto. It was actually about the technology beneath it, which is blockchain. And I was fascinated. So I read, I read five or six books on that. The Bitcoin Standard is one of the best ones that I've read because it gets you through the journey of money as it was now to, to then. And it talks about energy and, uh, and so forth. And I just thought to myself, this resonates with me and I want to help other people understand it, which was the whole part of the conversation. And that's what I did. So one per, it started off with one-to-one, then I had a screen of four, 30, then there was over 100 people getting in on the, on, on the act where I was just present, presenting what we were doing, the work that we're doing going forward. And as each week passed, there was new bits of information that obviously I was keeping up with and I was just getting, grouping together with people and just feeding them information, underlining everything. I said, look, this is not financial advice or anything like that. Do your own research like you should with anything. But this is how, the this is the way that this project is going. So, yeah, it was like everything I've walked in, it was by accident. I've never gone out and gone, I'm going to work for a plant hire firm and I'm going to go and get business at Shell Haven and, and do this, that and the other. That just evolved as I got more and more into the role. So that's uh, in a rambling way how I got into what I do now. Okay, that sounds really interesting. So who was your role model in your career? 
And why did you find them inspirational? I've got I've got two. I had uh, um, my 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 first proper boss was a guy called Eric. He's probably long since gone now. I was in the rag trade, and he said to me one day, "This is probably a stopgap for you because you're young, and there's going to be other things that you'll find." I left school with with no qualification and still haven't got any to date, but it's never held me back. And he recognised that from a real early age. He said, you've got this ability to talk to people from a wee kid to a 90-odd-year-old woman or man, you know. And he said, that's relatable. And he said, you'll you'll find that will earn earn you more money doing that than doing what you're doing at the moment. And I was a cutter and pattern maker in the rag trade. So Eric was one that kind of gave me the confidence at 17 years old to go out and, you know, don't just rely on this because it was very, very volatile. You know, I was... One week we had plenty of work, next week it was nothing. It was the early 80s and it was kind of tough. And years later, I, I, I worked for part of the Swarovski group. My boss back then, John Willis, was really, really encouraging. He had a really sort of laid back management style. And he just made you feel like one of the team. And I look back to those two people and they kind of like drive me forward and have done to where I am today. So I think of some of the conversations that we've had in meetings or in the pub after the meeting in terms of, uh, you know, this is how I started off. If it helps, great. My door's always open, that sort of policy. And that's um, that's driven me forward to, to, to do the things I am. So, I, you know, it sounds like I'm a jack of all trades, but I'm very, very good with people. And I can sort of sit down and say, look, I may not necessarily understand what you do, but I do understand on how it can be successful and how I can help you make it go that way. Okay. Do you think that not having any qualifications has is has ever held you back? No, none. Do you not think none, so? None whatsoever. Okay. So how have you managed to create opportunities for yourself then? Because I get to know people. I was going back to my start in insurance. I've got a younger brother who's been in insurance for, well, must be coming up for 37 years. And um, he knows it inside out. I know it quite well. I worked in it for 12, 15 years, whatever. But I didn't know a thing when I started. And I was given a telephone line. I was given access to the internet, computer, and a database. And it was a case of ring these people. They build stuff. You need to build up a conversation, and you'll build your knowledge around that. So that helped me get into a completely different field and actually into some really influential people that have built thousands and thousands of houses across to the UK and some in Europe as well. So, no, it's never really held me back because I, I, I think it's important to have education, which is what we're doing now. But because I, I wouldn't say gone on the seat of my pants as such, but because I've been able to go, I can pick this up, learn it and run with it. And people have allowed me to do that. That's really what's happened. So I'm very creative. I, I, I play in a, in a band or make it relatable to them in a way that they'll turn around and say, I actually want to start doing business with you or your company or a combination of both. So no, it's never really held me back at all. I've always found a way of finding out what their pain points are, because that's what we do, right? Someone's got a problem. You, you've got a solution. Whatever qualifications you've got, a sort of relevant in some instances. I mean, I couldn't go and say I can do rocket science better than a rocket scientist. But if I had to sell that application to someone, 
once I've learned the, the, the foundations of it, I'd find that pretty straightforward. Okay. So how would you go about finding out one of your client's pain points then? Well, a lot of, a lot of it is, is repetition in terms of they're struggling to reproduce what they used to do. So they'll put adverts on online and newspapers as they used to do back in the day, looking for people that have got that entrepreneurial thought process which I'm starting to see more and more now than, than I've ever done before. And I think that's the new way that companies are going. They also want the, the other side. They want people that have got the qualifications to understand complex stuff. Mm. But sometimes the two don't always marry up because you'll get people that are, and my brother is a great example, very successful in insurance. And he can sit down and explain policy, procedure, and, and how that works. I can go and do an overview of it, which basically is what most people are looking for. They don't need to know the everything that's technical. And that's when I go, right, I've got to my limit. I can bring people in that can give you the further detail, which invariably is not to CEOs, by the way. They tend to have the, the vision, the drive, the passion to bring the business forward, which is who I've dealt with most of my career. Their, their technical staff will deal with the technical side of it. So I just think to myself, no point in me getting involved. I can start the conversation going at a high level. And what happens when it goes down, it brings the rest of the team into support. Okay. Sounds excellent. Mm. So what is the most challenging thing about your current role and how do you handle it? Well, it was managing time and getting things done has never been an issue with me. I'm pretty good with that. I don't make many notes. I'm not a note taker. I've got a lot of it here. and. One of my problems is I've got so much going on in my head with this and a couple of other bits and pieces. I feel sometimes I want to tell every, everyone everything, and that's that's a challenge. So keeping this shut and these open is getting easier as I get older. But, you know, if you, when you first started this venture, which was in, in, in real terms about two years ago when we, started, when we discussed it, it was lots of ideas, lots of ideas, and a lot of them went flat. And that, I found that quite challenging because um, – I thought they were great. Others didn't. You know, I've got two business partners and regrouping and starting again and getting it to the stage where we have now has been a, a, a journey. And, you know, the time frame has been a, a bit of a, a challenge for me. But now that we're here, I'm kind of over that hump. And this is where the real challenge starts up out in the open wide world. And it's now finding backsides to put on seats for one of the better words. So that's a challenge I like. I like that sort of stuff because. I, I like phoning people up. I prefer that to email and uh, the, the sort of new way of doing things. You know, the, the 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 sort of, I sometimes scratch my head and think, why isn't things just easy? We can just do that, put it to bed and move forward. But, you know, I'm realistic to understand that a lot of it isn't. You know, there's blocks in the road that, uh, that we often come across. Okay. Thank you. So is there anything that you still want to achieve in your career? Because you've just started this new venture. Yeah. I just want to, I want to help as many people as I can before I get to 65, and that's seven years away from now. I'm very good at helping people. I've, it's something I get told daily. You know, you're very good with people. I'm mentoring someone on a, a LinkedIn group that, that I'm in, and, you know, she knows she's been mentored, but she's never actually said it. And I'm, I'm not expecting any payment for this, but I know that it will one day come back and pay me back. I know that. And that's something I've done a few times and, and will continue to do because 
at the moment, I've got a little bit of time for that. I can do that. It's just, you know, we're, we're working in a truly global world now. We don't have a nine to five anymore. No one has. Because we can, I've got, I've got customers in Singapore, Australia, the Middle East. I'm working with the blockchain there. Obviously, the UK got a few people there. Over the other side of the water in America. And I want to try and get all those projects going up and running as quick as I can to the point when I get to 65, I just put my feet up and go, right, great, that's it. I've, had, I've done my bit now. Leave a legacy for my kids because, you know, whatever I do with this website, they'll, they'll get benefit of that. So that's the real goal is to really leave a legacy for my three children. Okay. Do you think that you will actually retire? Because a lot of people say that and then they don't. They go off and maybe do something else. Yeah, I do. I, I, I know it. When the blockchain project came to an end, I was very, very fortunate. I, I, I earned more money in March than most people do in a year. It was fantastic. It just went, wow. And I took nine months off and I sat down and I just thought about what I wanted to do next, what my next goal was, did a bit of traveling. And when I came back, the suntan faded away and I just thought to myself, I need to link in with some people. And I started looking on LinkedIn and fortunate enough, we, we've met and, and many others. And I started to discover what a powerful tool that was. But it's got its purpose and so have I because I've got other things I want to do. I want, I want to like buy a bar and, and pay someone to run it for me, you know, giving a little bit back to the community. I'd love to do that. It won't be in Britain, but that's, that, that's one, of, one of the dreams. And the, the ideal is getting up, Maybe writing a book, putting it on to, to the likes of Amazon or Lulu or whatever, whatever platforms available at the time. Get better at playing on guitars and things. Um, yeah, that would be, that would be just a real cool hippie thing to do, you know, and that's what, so that's, that's what my passion is really about. I love music. So that's, um, that's something that I would really like to do. And with all the plates spinning, there are one or two that I think might bring that forward a lot quicker than I know. But I can't be certain yet because nothing is. Nothing is. No, I know. Nothing is certain. So have you ever encountered any career disasters and how have you handled them? A clear disaster? Yes. This is to do with energy. I was underneath Tilby Power Station. There was a lift shaft. I used to be claustrophobic. We got, I think it was about... 150 foot down underground, and we was put on a, for want of a better word, it was a little, you know, you know those coal scuttles that the miners used to use to fill, fill them up and cover. We was on one of those sort of things. This was way, way back in the 80s. And we were literally underneath the, the power station, and we felt a rumble. And, of course, panic, pandemonium happened. And we got out, and what it was, it was a gas explosion nearby. It was nothing to do with the power station. But that set the bejesus in me and it, it highlighted further my fear of closed spaces, even though this wasn't actually a closed space. I mean, the you, you'll know, the tunnels were huge. Mm. But because you're underground, it's psychological. And I said to my then boss, I don't want to do a project like that again. It's too risky. It's too dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. So I went to work with, that was, that was Dungeon S, I think. Yes, it was, down on the Kent coast. So I went to work down there. And it was the total opposite. We were in this clear room. There was electronic devices there. I started drilling into this piece of concrete, and it was wet drilling. And we were allowed to let the, the, the water fall onto the floor. 
But one of my colleagues who was working with me didn't um, bag up the, 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 the power correctly. Mm. I was watching water go slowly. So, so, of course, I shouted a load of obscenities at him to go there and sort it out as quick as, because I'm hanging on this thing, you know, about 15 metres up in the air. So that's what he did. He went and managed that. So, yes, I thought I was going to combust under this uh, power station because of the big bang that I made. And yes, I thought I was going to electrocute myself when I was drilling a hole. And it wasn't a little hole. It was about a metre wide. Whilst my um, colleague was rushing around putting sandbags in the way to stop the water getting in, uh, in front of the thing. But yeah, it's um, that's probably the nearest I've got to disaster. Luckily, with finance and things like that, I've been quite fortunate. He says touching wood. Okay. So what would you say your zone of genius is? What are you most excellent at? Ah, that's a great question. I, I reckon it's just my ability to communicate at, at all levels. And I've learned that. I, I didn't just wake up and do it from day one. When I was taught how to explain complex into layman's, it enabled me to say to people that either run a business or a mid-management or even even harder, right at group uh, grassroots, you know, the the, the navy on site, the, the site labour and so forth. And I've worked with hundreds of those, been on thousands of building sites. And getting that sort of used to the banter and getting to their level of understanding in terms of, if I tell them about blockchain for argument's sake, it would just go over the top. But if I told them about something that was secure and transparent and is going to be key to what they're going to be doing in terms of their banking, buying their bits and pieces, energy, et cetera, et cetera, and just take them slowly through that path. That's what I feel is probably my area of expertise. I get people. I think that's what I'm trying to get. Okay. Do you think the way that the, that we communicate in the future is going to change? Yeah, definitely. We, we're seeing it now. I mean, one thing the pandemic taught us was how important video conferencing is now. We're doing it. Ten years ago, we'd have had a scrambled Skype call that had been quite fragmented and broken, even despite Zoom being around then. And this isn't going to be the final way that we'll, we'll do things. We'll be able to, if you're on Twitter, you'll be able to ring someone through Twitter. That's coming out shortly. You'll be able to video conference through Twitter. They've already got spaces, so you can get thousands of people in a group on Twitter. Now, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but there'll be other platforms that will do that. So technology has always been key because obviously communication is tech, has always been key in getting in front of people. It started off with our, our Scottish friend, Alexander Graham Bell, when he came out with the, with the telephone. And now we're using technology that actually Alexander Graham Bell invented the phone. We've got a, a screen, which is a computer, Charles Babbage, and of course we've got television. Put all that into one. We've, We've kind of got that now. That's what we're using. The, the level of communication going forward, I, I really don't know because I didn't see what was coming with this AI technology that we're experiencing right this minute. And I'm in that space. And I thought, wow, this is just crazy. It's crackers. But going forward, yeah, there will be different ways that we communicate. I mean, you'll, you'll remember, I know I certainly will. I remember the day that the email came in, the internet was live. I said out loud, this is never going to take off. I quite like my fax machine. You know, I, I can't remember the last time I used a fax machine. 
so we've and, and that's only in the past 30 something years maybe maybe less time than that I know I remember I remember a lot of people saying that uh, the internet would never take off it would just be something fly by night well when that started to accelerate the adoption was was huge and it was the biggest at the time now it's been overtaken twice crypto and blockchain is one and AI is another once someone works out how to manage AI with blockchain, and there are companies already doing this, but once they do it on a global scale, because we're getting a lot of, and rightly so, people concerned about misinformation, impressionist, plagiarism, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the answer is blockchain because it will manage that. But no one's worked out how. I'm certainly not clever enough to do that, and I don't know anyone that's clever enough to do that yet. But someone will come up with something that will do that. And maybe that's the new way of doing things. I don't, I really don't know. But it's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I think it will be. Hmm. I think it will be, actually. So if you were going to hire someone, what would you look for? Drive, determination, but above all that, the willingness just to sit down and learn. You know, just just don't don't treat it as a Look, you're going to get rich quick scheme. Those things don't exist. I've, I've looked at those. They, they, they just don't exist and they do your head in. You spend more time thinking about the result without trying to get to the result. So anyone that can be taught on how things could work out are, are people that I would personally look for. If, if they've got a professional qualification and it's a technical role, then yes, that, that, that's a different field altogether. I wouldn't know if it's, I wouldn't know how to employ a CTO, but my co-founder Ben definitely would because he, he ran technology teams back in the day when he was working with what was then British Rail. So I'm lucky because I've got that support. But me personally, I'll be looking at not necessarily a carbon copy of me, but someone that can bounce ideas off of, but also is quite willing, kind of rolls their sleeves up and get their hands dirty and learn. Okay. Okay, thank you. So what typical type of questions would you ask during an interview? Well, I've done this. I I was in retail for many moons ago and was taught how to how to interview. And I did exactly this. I looked at the book and chucked it out the window. Because every person that walks through the door has got something different going on. So I would I would I would like to find out more about them. And that would give me the indication whether they'd be able to do the job or not. And again, that's something I learned. I probably learned a little bit of that from John, when John John Willis interviewed me back in the day. And to me, it's just obvious. I already know what they're capable of, because I've got a bit of paper in front of me that's telling me that. But I would go, I used to look at them, get an idea, obviously, I wanted to know what, who they were, where they lived, if they were in the air, if it was local. Right, okay, so they've got the qualifications there. And I put it to one side so I can glance at it, but really focus on them. Look, tell me about you. What what makes you get out of bed? What do you like? What don't you like? What sort of things do you dream about? What do you are you creative? Doesn't matter if you are or not, but I just want to find out how I would perhaps see you fitting into the role. And maybe there's not enough of that that goes on. And it might sound a bit way out there, but it does work. I mean, I ran a Tesco store with 700 staff. I interviewed probably 50% of those. So, you know, I, I'm very versed in finding out what's best. One of them's actually a store manager now. He's took over my old job, actually. So things like that, yeah, that, that comes quite naturally to me, but I'm very unconventional. 
And yes, I know that there's ways and, and rules that we need to stick to in terms of how a HR will view it, which is fine. And that's 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 easy enough. You know, you just got to be talk to the person like they're a person. Okay. Excellent. Excellent advice, actually. What do you enjoy most about your current role? There you go. I've never asked anybody that. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five years and all this sort of thing? No, I I, I, I really like the, the, the day-to-day storytelling that I do. I mean, you, you, you follow my posts on LinkedIn, and I, I really appreciate your, your support. I like bringing something different to to the audience every day. And I do work quite hard looking for things like that because there's an awful lot of news and there's an awful lot of people talking about similar things. You know, I'm not the only person that does what I do. So what I try and do is go, oh, actually, that story resonates with me. I think some of my audience would like it. Most of them probably won't understand it, but that doesn't matter because I'm always I'm always here to ask questions. And I'm surprised about how little questions I'm asked about. Look, I read this and I like that, but I didn't quite understand that. Can you explain? Well, I can. But it happened today, actually. A friend of mine, Celeste, she put a comment, I was going to say a post, a comment on my post today about how to, and I got back to it. She did the same yesterday. And that's the bit I love. I like the interaction with people. It's all about people with me. Okay. No, that sounds excellent. I think working with people... And having a, t- a good team around you is quite important. Mm. It, it's key because you look at these highly successful people that are, you know, head of GC or Musk at Twitter or what have you, they can't do it on their own. They have to assess their team. And once they put their team into place or they put their team to put the team into place, which the bigger corps do, of course, then that's it, you know. I've, I've worked. I've been lucky. I've been really fortunate to work for some very big firms in the construction side of things and insurance. I was with the ninth or eighth biggest broker at the time, and they always had really good training, really good reporting systems, excellent HR. And to the to the untrained eye, people might think there's Dave just doing his own thing, and I was. But I'd also pick up a lot of how well they did certain things, but also how poorly they did other things. When when I left. A, a particular role, I won't mention the firm, but they're big. How that was dealt with was quite poor. And they could have done it a lot better. And they've actually admitted it to me uh, a lot later. They're a client of mine now. But, um, you know, these these things I just learned to think, you know, my mum and dad and my granny and my granddad and going back to my great grandparents because I was young enough to remember them. They always said to me one thing, and it's always stuck with me, treat others how you'd like to be treated. It's that simple. It's that simple. And it's very wise advice as well. Very wise words as well. Yeah. Because if you, let's face it, if you're nasty to someone, you're going to get nastiness back. If you have a fluent conversation, you'll have that fluent conversation back. And one of the skills I've got is building that up. And I I do talk for England, for Britain, for what have you, because I, I I do like talking. But sometimes when you've got a relationship with, whether it's personal, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, family, whatever that that could be, it all boils down to how you're spoken to. Because we have these triggers, don't we? And someone says, and it could be an off-the-cuff remark. My brother's excellent at doing that. He'll say something without meaning any malice. And you'll go, Mikey, what did he say that for? What's the matter with him? So you build up that sort of negativeness and... 
no pun intended, if we could create positive energy all the time, the world would be a perfect place. Unfortunately, it's not like that. But I, I think it's very important that we understand everybody's value. I do agree with that, 100%. So you were saying before that you ha- you mentor some people. If you could be mentored by anybody, who would it be? There's two guys I watch a lot on YouTube. One's a guy called Ralph Powell. He's a macro investor. He used to work for Goldman Sachs at director level, and he talks about emerging tech because he invests into it. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, artificial intelligence. And he has some really great people on. I'm very lucky as well because I'm linked in with him as a direct connection. So that was that was a stroke of luck or, or genius on my part. I don't know. He would be one. He's about two years younger than me, but he's been through the financial stuff. I'm absolutely fascinated with. So that would be one. The other person is a guy over in America called Matt Wolf, And all he does... He talks about artificial intelligence and he did do NFTs and things like this. And he started off with no YouTube users. And last year when I started to follow him, he had about 10,000. He's now over 300,000 users. Now, that's not millions yet, but he will get there. And what he's done, he's built a website. He's got this traction. I follow him on Twitter. He follows me. I even asked him if he would do a demonstration on a particular artificial intelligence model that I found that he loved. And he said, I'm actually just about to start doing that. So yes, I'll, I'll accelerate that. And he did, true to his word. And, and I like that. I like the fact that he's, he's an open book. You know, he, he did a blog. It was about a 15 minute read and he told you about the, the trolls that he was getting because obviously Twitter and places like that is right with it. He doesn't do much on LinkedIn, which I'm trying to persuade him to do. And I think once I've done that, I'll be able to get a meeting like we are and have, have a sort of real good good, uh, good chat with him. Ralph Powell's different. He's just so blooming busy. It'd be very, very hard to get in front. But hey, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to try because one day you just never know. But those two guys, yeah, they, they would mentor me because Matt, Matt Wolf, the younger one, he's got energy, drive, passion, and it's just so blooming infectious. Ralph Powell's got a bit of that, but he's very knowledgeable. And I'm, it sounds weird, this. That's what turns me on. I like knowledge and I like passing it on. And that's why I like it. Yeah, I agree. I love knowledge and I love to pass, on, uh, pass it on. I think it's important to share your knowledge with people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's probably many others that I'll think of after the, after the call and think, oh, I wish I said him or her and, and, and what have you. I mean, this, this, Sandy Carter, she's got a, a platform called Unstoppable Domains. It's a Web3 domain. She was on a webinar with about 50 of us, and she broke down how NFTs work. Because I was one of the ones that was really skeptical about it. And oh, it's, it's all, all speculation and this, that, and the other. NFTs will be how contracts will be dealt with. Tokenization will be how we buy things. And that will be companies, that will be stocks, that will be shares. I've got tokenized gold, silver, platinum, crypto, obviously. The way the world is going, when you've got organizations like BlackRock that have got $10 trillion of assets under management that are going into this big time and not not just stopping, they're going in large on this and are very, very confident about this is the the way the world will be because it's just easy to transfer and it's quick. You know, we're wasting too much energy doing too much. Why, why not simplify it, make the process faster, cut out the middleman, 
what, what's not to like about that? So she, she's been quite influential as well. I and mean, I follow her on LinkedIn and comment on her on her posts and such like. So I've, I've probably got quite a few if I sat down and wrote a list. I'd probably get out about 20. Okay. That's really good. That's <laughs> really good. Right. One final question. If you could turn back time, would you change anything? No. No. I... On a personal level, I was a father at quite an early age. I've got a daughter in her mid-30s now. Best thing that happened to me, and so with the other two. I've got two sons, you know. Would I have studied harder at school if I'd have known then what I do now? No, I don't think so, because I don't think I'll admit the people that I've worked with and, and the former relationships. Yeah, there'd have been a different set. I don't think I'd have been terribly happy sitting in an office at a high-level role that my dad probably wanted me to do. No, I don't think that would have sat well with me. I can't do what my brother does. You know, I've got um, utmost respect for him getting up early, jumping on a train, getting into London, sitting in an office all day, doing something that I used to like doing and, and what have you. But um, no, I don't, I don't think don't think there'd be much, much that I would change, to be fair. Okay. So if you were going to give anybody advice who may be – I'm going to rephrase that word, actually – if you no, I'm not actually. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm not what I'm going to try and say actually. If you could give anybody advice who maybe doesn't want to go down the university or college route, what would that be going into business? Be yourself. Be yourself. Don't listen to the doubters. You know, Dyson, very very clever engineer, is worldly famous now we don't say hoovering anymore we, we, we go we, we're just using the vacuum now you know he's he's kind of pioneered that, that that sector steve jobs he's another chap you know he he didn't care about the, the the word no we'll hear it every day and don't worry about that because we all say it we all have it said to us and that will continue to the day we die and don't give up on your dream even if it's really fanciful We've had parents over the years in school saying, oh, no, you can't do that. No, you can, because people have done it. And people have, people have done something either relative or similar. This, this, this thing about plagiarism, I, I, I have to smile about it, because when I got assigned schoolwork back in the day, I'd go home and I'd go to a library. Well, that's someone else's work that I'm making. But that's okay. That's what schooling's about. You go... Later on in, down the years in technology, we can Google things now. I never wrote that, but I'm stealing someone else's work. And a lot of people are wearful of that. And I kind of get, you know, the IP and the legal things and all the rest of it. They're there for a purpose. But at the end of the day, don't worry about making mistakes. Be yourself. Have belief in what you've got. And if you're lucky enough to land on your feet and find people that support you as well, that's probably about as best as I can give. And that's really good advice. I hope so. You know, if there's, if there's anyone watching this that have got self-doubt, we, we see posts on LinkedIn all the time, don't we, about, you know, how to get over that and so on. It's difficult. You know, you've got to have sometimes a strong mindset. But if you haven't, find someone who has. And he, she, they can help you get, get to that next platform. And I've been lucky. I've found many people like that. And they're there. Thank you. So... That's all the questions I have today. I would like to thank Dave for your time. Been a pleasure. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening and see you next week.
That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I'd like to gently encourage you to leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with another person. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or via my website, www.michellefraserconsultancy.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.